everyone, and welcome to church. I'm so excited to be headed into the Christmas season, amen. Come on, it's a time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the gift that God gave to us, that he would unite us to him, right, and that we would have eternal life. I'm so grateful today for that. And let's just join in together and sing and rejoice and celebrate him, amen. All right, let's worship. Come on, let's sing it. Single, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain, oh, that Jesus Christ is born. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this season, God. Lord, we give you all of the honor this morning, all of the praise, all of the glory, Lord. We give you our worship today. And Father, we want to come and adore you this morning. Adore Jesus this morning with all of our hearts. Oh, Lord, let us worship you, God. 
that line, uh, we'll give you all the glory, has been stuck in my head for the past month or so. And it was driving me absolutely crazy because I could not remember what song it went to. And I just kept singing that one line over and over again. But that's just really been in my spirit lately about how sometimes in my life, I don't give God enough glory. And I think that goes for all of us. You know, sometimes when good things happen in our lives, like we get a promotion at our job or doing well in school or whatever it may be, our flesh wants us to be in pride and think that maybe we're doing something right. But in reality, all good things in our life comes from God and we need to give Him all of the glory. And not only giving Him the glory, but like my dad talked about last week, telling someone else about the good things that God has done in our lives. And I'm gonna read Psalms 96 too. It says, sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things that he does. And you know, we tend to overcomplicate the gospel. And I remember I used to be so scared to sit down and talk to someone I just met about Jesus because I would be like, what if they ask me something and I don't know the answer to it? Or what if I say something and my theology is off, you know, whatever, just overthinking it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that it's so simple. It really is just sitting down with someone and being genuine and sharing your heart with them and telling them your story and saying, you know, I've been through this and I've been through this, but God has brought me through every time and he's been faithful and every good thing in my life comes from him. Or, you know, I used to be this and I used to struggle with this, but look where God has brought me and he can do the same for you. And it really is just that simple. And, you know, Christmas Sunday is coming up in two weeks, which is crazy how it fell out. But that is a perfect opportunity for you to invite lost friends and family members and coworkers because it's just something about the holidays. People are just more apt to coming to church, and that would be such a great service for them to come to. We're going to be taking family pictures before. We're going to be taking communion. Our choir's coming back, so that's going to be great. <laughs> and most importantly, we're going to be baptizing on Christmas Sunday, so we're very excited about that. So if you would like to be baptized, please be sure to sign up on your way out today. And Passion Youth will be having their Christmas party tonight from 5 to 7. They're going to be having some great food, having a bonfire, making gingerbread houses. So if you're ages 13 to 18 and you've never been to youth before, this would be a great time for you to come and hang out. Just wear your Christmas sweater and meet us in the gym at 5 o'clock. And ushers, you can go ahead and come forward as we take up our missions offering. This week, our offering will be for making Christmas treat bags for all of the local nursing home residents. And this is just a small way to show them that we love them and we're thinking about them. So let's go ahead and bring our offering and greet one another.
Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Eagle Heights Church. If you're a visitor here with us, it is so good to have you, and we ask that you just make yourself at home this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Josh, Pastor Kevin's son, uh, and me and my wonderful wife, Sarah, who does just an incredible job leading worship. We have two, uh, yeah, come on. Hey, she's that awesome. No. But God truly uses her to, and I'm truly thankful and blessed to have her, and our church is blessed to have her to be able to lead worship, and she is truly anointed to do that. Amen. And we have two beautiful little girls. We have Ella Kate, who just turned three, Emmy Rose, who just turned one, and we found out recently that we have another girl on the way. And we, we are excited and blessed. I love all my girls, but they're a handful. Let me tell you, there's something else. Ella Kate this morning, she said, uh, Daddy, are you preaching this morning? I said, yeah, I am preaching this morning. Uh, why don't you uh, pray for Dad that God would help him do a good job? She said, okay. And she said, Dear God, help Daddy be careful and not fall off the steps. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm watching this morning. Like, maybe she had a word. I don't know. So I'm going to be careful. The other night, we're, we're laying in bed before we take her up to her room to, to, for her to go to sleep. And she looks over at me. And she says, Daddy, you need to listen to God. And I said, okay. And she gets serious. She looks at me and says, and God said, let me stay up late. <laughs> How do you even, I, I don't know. How do you even come up with this stuff? They are something else. But we are so blessed. I tell you what, last week's service was so good. Amen. What a powerful word as we talked about going after the one. And we asked the question, what is one soul worth? You know, we can't even imagine how important one soul is to God. That one little lost lamb is to God. And when what is extremely important to God becomes extremely important to us, then he will richly bless us and anoint us. And he's anointing, anointing us for a purpose, to go out and be a fisher of men and reach the lost. We had several people give their heart to the Lord last week, last Sunday, and I just want to thank God for that. Well, again, we're going to be baptizing on Christmas Sunday. What an amazing day to be baptized as we celebrate the birth of Jesus coming into this world to give us salvation. So I just want to thank God for all that he's doing and rejoice over those souls this morning. When what is extremely important to God becomes extremely important to you, then he will richly bless you and anoint you. Let's get back to what is most important to God. Think about it. What did Jesus say was the most important thing that we should do? What should be the motivating factor in all that we do what did he say when they asked him the question, what is 
the greatest commandment. And we're going to look at Matthew 22, verse 37 to see what he says. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you get this, then you've got it. To love is the very foundation of what it means to be a Christian. If you truly love God and you truly love your neighbor, then all the rest will follow. Because if you love God, then you're going to want to give your whole heart to him and have relationship with him. If you love God, then you love his word and you obey his word and you want to lay down your life for him. If you truly love your neighbor, you want to serve them, you want to care for them, and you want to go share the love of Jesus with them, share the gospel with them, to go tell it on the mountain, amen, for all to hear. Love is our motivation for all of these things and all that God commands us to do. And all that God does for us is because he loves us. Every move of God begins with compassion for us. Compassion and love precedes every manifestation of God. Compassion precedes every miracle, every work of God. They all begin with God looking at us with compassion. And what a comfort to know. What an amazing thing to think about that our creator is looking down on us with love. Let me tell you, God is for you. He's your biggest fan. He wants good for you. He doesn't want bad for you. He doesn't want evil for you. He wants good for you. He wants to lead you through his law and through his commandments into more and more of his love. God puts guidelines in our life to lead us to righteousness, to lead us to a better place than we are right now, to lead us to become more and more Christ-like until we finally get to be with him in heaven for all eternity and get to see his love in its fullest form and get to understand his love in a a whole new way. God is a God of love. Say that with me this morning. God is a God of love. And guys, we we need to come against the lie that somehow God is cruel and he's some kind of oppressive tyrant. And that to be a Christian is to be unloving. 
We need to let people know that that is not true. That's a lie from Satan. And we need to come against it and let them know that that couldn't be further from the truth. Let's read 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, it's, it's not just that God is loving. God is love. He created it. He models love for us. He is the one who even gives us the ability to love. And this verse tells me that if I don't love, I don't know God. I cannot be a born-again believer unless I love. God is a God of love. And as we share the gospel, we need to help people understand that everything God does is because he loves us. Everything in his word points to his love for us, even though we may not understand it. We're not going to understand it all. You know, people say, you know, God's a God of love. Well, why would he judge his people? Why would he judge people for their actions? Why would he rebuke and correct those he loves? Why would he bring us through difficult and painful times? Part of the answer is that God loves us so much that he would do anything to save your soul. What is one soul worth? He would do anything to reach you or get us back on the right track. He would do anything to, to get something out of our life that he sees is leading us to destruction. Revelation 3.19 as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The Bible says that God disciplines us as a son or a daughter. And you know, a good father, he corrects out of love. You know, I, ha I had a talk with Elicate recently about knives, and I said, listen. You do not touch a knife no matter what. You never touch that. And I wasn't just, oh, listen, it's kind of, this edge is a little sharp and it could, it could cut you. So you might want to not touch that. I said, no, you're going to get a spanking if you touch a knife. And I was stern with her because I understand what could happen. I understand the repercussions of what can happen if she's playing with a sharp knife. I, I'm stern with her. I'm stern in my warning to her because I love her. We're at the campground during Thanksgiving, and Ella Kate is wanting to go down the hill, Justin, with Faith and Grayson. And, and they're a lot older than her. Faith and Grayson, they're just having fun. Just, woo, it's, it's awesome. 
But Ella Kate's on her little bike this big with no pedals, a little balance bike. She said, I want to go down there, Dad. And I said, well, if, I'll run beside you and, and hold on to you. And she's going down screaming, wee, this is awesome. But she's just, you know, totally out of control. And she says, Dad, I don't need your help anymore. I, I'm ready to go down. I said, listen, Ella Kate, we're not going to do that no more. Listen, you are totally out of control. And this isn't going to end well. And my point is that it was something that was nothing necessarily wrong with her going down that hill. She was having a blast. I don't want to take her fun. But, and she sees everybody else doing it. But listen, Ella Kate, you don't need to do this because I love you enough to keep you from breaking your arm or your leg and having to go to the hospital with you. You don't need to be doing this, baby. God corrects us and disciplines us and warns us and put guidelines in our life in the same way. If he didn't, it would mean he doesn't love us. If God doesn't bring us through trials to sharpen our faith and strengthen our faith, then that means he doesn't love us. If he didn't give us commandments and guidelines to lead us to righteousness, then he wouldn't truly love us. But God is a God of love, and he truly cares about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Think about this. He knows you way better than you know yourself. And don't you think he knows what's best for you? Don't you think he's leading you to a, a better place? He is a perfect father that we can trust in his love. And to be a Christian is to love with that same love of God. What should that love look like in our life? What does it really mean to love as a Christian? Think about the story of the Good Samaritan as Jesus explains to us how to love and who is our neighbor that we should love. He tells a story about a man who was robbed and, and beaten and left on the side of the road. And a priest comes by and sees the man and he does nothing. A Levite who is a temple work, worker or a worship leader, he's walking by and he does nothing. But a Samaritan comes by and Samaritans were a look down upon people. But he saw this man of whom probably had prejudice against him and came and wiped his wounds and, and took care of him and, and put bandages on him. He put the man on his donkey that I'm sure he was riding. And he brought him to the inn and, and paid for him to be taken care of. And they asked, so who was the neighbor in the story? And Jesus said, the Samaritan was the neighbor to the man who was robbed because he cared for the man in need and showed him love. Go and do likewise. To love is to simply put others before yourself, to put them first, to care about someone, to have compassion for someone, to give 
instead of take. The Samaritan put himself second. I'm sure he was on his way to somewhere, try, he, you know, just going about a business. Hey, I got to get to this town. But he took time to help the man. I'm sure he would have loved to keep riding his donkey and not have to walk the whole way. But he put this man on his donkey. I'm sure he could have done something else with, something else with his money, like buy food, help his family, whatever. But he used it to bless this man. He thought of others first. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others also. And I want us to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And this helps show us what love should look like. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not prideful. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We've just read about what love should look like. And I want us to ask this question. I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but we need to ask ourselves this question, myself included. Do people see you as a loving person? Do people see you as a loving, caring, compassionate person? Last week, my dad mentioned that when you love, it puts off a fragrance that everyone can recognize. Do you put off that kind of fragrance? The young people would say, are you putting off that vibe? That's kind of their lingo. Is that the vibe you're putting off? You know, we're on vacation, and Hannah's with us, and we're going to a, a little breakfast place that we heard's really good. And so we pull up, and it's just this little tiny storefront. And Hannah says, hey, Sarah, run in and do a vibe check real quick. And Sarah says, oh, sure, whatever. So she goes in, and she comes out like, hmm. I said, what's wrong? She said, I, I, I don't know. You know, the, the chairs are just set up kind of weird. It was this weird little layout, and, and the lights are, some of them are off. And I, I don't know, I just felt like I wasn't supposed to be in there. So, okay, <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like they want us in there. We need to go. So <laughs> we look up on our phone, and there's another location of the same place nearby. So let's go try this one. And so we drive up, and all the lights are on. And somebody welcomes us as we come in, and there's music playing. And Sarah says, oh, this is much better. I said, well, well Sarah, you said the chairs were set up weird. It was a weird layout. She said, no, this is, this is the same. It's the same exact restaurant, but this just feels so much better. I feel like they want us here. And I want you to ask you, what kind of vibe are you putting off? 
Because people are constantly doing a vibe check on you and saying, what, what, you know, what do I feel when I see this person? And we need to ask ourselves, are we showing people the love of Christ through our countenance, through how we speak to people, through how we treat people? You know, sometimes it's just the very simple things like that. That can, you know, there's something different about this person. There's a love that I recognize here that maybe I don't know. But, you know, there's, a, there's another layer to showing your love. Last week we talked about sharing the gospel with others. And why do we do that? Because we love them. Because we care about them. We care about the one soul. And our love should motivate us to share the gospel with them. Share the, the truth that they need to hear. That you know if they could latch on to this truth, then they're going to receive salvation. You know that this truth could set them free. Can turn their life around. Or our love should, should motivate us to share truth with believers that are taking a wrong turn. And you know that this thing in their life is not of God. You know this thing in their life is pulling them away from God. And you know that you need to talk to them. And you love them and care about them enough to go share the truth. To love is to share the truth and to stand for the truth. We've come to believe that love means never saying anything that can possibly offend anyone. But sometimes love requires that we go to that hard place to share a truth that's not easy to hear because it's going to require change. Maybe God's telling you to go speak to your friend in your small group, or sit your son and daughter down and say, listen, I love you enough to stop you from doing this thing. Listen, I'm, about, I'm putting guidelines up right now and saying you need to get back on track. God's word it says right here, listen, listen, baby, this is what God's word says about it. This thing is not pleasing to God, and we need to get it right. I'm going to share that truth with you, baby. Because I don't want to see you go down this road I know you're heading towards. In some situations, sharing truth with your mom or dad about the love of Jesus or your aunt or your uncle, whatever it may be. And that can be intimidating. And the truth is that love makes us vulnerable. And that's the title of our message today. Love makes us vulnerable. I want to talk about some things this morning that we don't like to admit, especially as men. But sometimes the fear of becoming vulnerable can keep us from loving the way God wants us to. The fear of, will I be rejected? 
Will I look foolish? Will my feelings be hurt? If I share the truth with somebody, are they going to receive it? Are they going to reject me? Hannah did. I don't think she knew what I was talking about, but she shared some of the same things of some of the fears that can come up when we're sharing the truth. The fears that can keep us from loving. You know, we think about these potential outcomes because when, you're, when you love, you're putting your heart out there. When you extend your love to someone, you're giving them the opportunity to reject it. When you put your heart out there, you're giving them the opportunity to walk on it. You know, some people try to avoid this by keeping to themselves and withdrawing from relationships and by putting on this hard exterior that gives the illusion, listen, it doesn't matter if you show me love. It doesn't matter if you, you know, how you respond to me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. Listen, you can't affect me. You know, in a pretty extreme example of this, I was thinking about Ebenezer Scrooge. <clears throat> you know, it's Christmas time. And Ebenezer Scrooge, he, 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 he wasn't a man that showed love. Let's just say that. He didn't show feelings. He had no true relationships. His, his employee, Bob Cratchit, he, he said, you know, I don't care if this guy likes me. I don't care, you know, what this guy says about me. This is just a business relationship. I'm going to give you just enough coal to stay alive, and you better not take any more. And I'm going to give you all for Christmas because I have to. But listen, I don't want to. And he, he gave this hard impression that, listen, I'm not vulnerable. You can't hurt me. Why was he like this? Do you remember when he was a, a child, he was hurt when he, he was sent to a boarding school away from his family. And when all the, the other children came, uh, I'm sorry, when Christmas holiday rolled around, all the families came and got their children and brought them home for the holidays and, and they had a meal together and, and they got to spend time with their family and Ebenezer Scrooge never got brought home. He always had to spend Christmas alone at the school by himself and that, that hurt him deeply. He was engaged and his fiance left him because he was becoming a greedy man and that wounded him. And so Ebenezer eventually said, you know what? I'm never going to let anything hurt me again. I'm never going to give my love away again. I'm never going to, to expose my feelings again. I'm going to withdraw to myself. If you keep relationships out of your life, if you don't give your love away, if you build up a wall around yourself, you can protect yourself from a lot of the hurts of this life. Some of the worst hurts of this life. Not all of them. 
Unless you maybe you move to a desert island or something. But you can protect yourself from a lot of the hurts of this life. But listen, you cannot impact someone's life without becoming vulnerable. You can't show love without being vulnerable. You can't serve God. You can't reach the lost. You can't correct. You cannot be a light. And you won't experience how wonderful the love of God is and how wonderful the relationships He gives us are, how much of a blessing they are to our life unless we become vulnerable. I want us to look at some examples of this in the Bible. First, let's look at, at the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.11. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open up your hearts to us. This is a picture of just complete vulnerability. For Paul to reach these people, he opens up his heart, and they did not show love back. They returned his good for evil. And he's basically pleading with them to open up their hearts towards him so that he can show them the love of Jesus. Love put him in a vulnerable place to where he could be rejected. But because of his willingness to become vulnerable, God used Paul to do many, many great things. When I think about people who had to become vulnerable, I think about Moses. And he's a man who, who stammers and stutters. And God says, I want to use you to go talk to your adopted brother Pharaoh and tell him that I said to let my people go. Moses didn't want to go, but God said, you are the one, Moses. And he goes and, and tells Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, absolutely not. Why would I do that? And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to double the workload for your people. I'm not going to give them straw to make bricks with. And so now Moses is in this vulnerable place where Pharaoh hates me. My people don't like me. They're mad at me because they have to have all this extra work. He, and Moses, listen, I'm trying to help you. And he's just there standing alone. And of course, you know God used him to deliver his people. And he's placed with this responsibility of leading a nation. God, how am I going to find food for this many people, water for this many people? How do I lead them? God, how do I settle these disputes? But God was always with him. I think about Gideon. Again, Gideon, he didn't want to go. God said, God said, you need to lead the Israelite army into battle against the Midianites. And God had to convince him. God had to show him uh, two signs, I think it was, so that 
he would be willing to go. And God said, okay, listen, Gideon, your army's too big. We're going to cut it down. No, it's still too big. We're going to cut it down until he's left with 300 men. Is Gideon in a vulnerable position going against this giant army and he's got 300 men? But of course, God used him to bring about a complete victory. And through this vulnerable place that Gideon was in, God's glory was put on display. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you are vulnerable, when you appear weak, that's when people can see God's strength. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And of course, the ultimate example of how to love is modeled through God and His Son Jesus as we read in 1 John 4, 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. God's love for us is the reason He gave His Son to this world to save us. His love for us made Him vulnerable, if you will. And look, God can't be vulnerable in the same way that we are because He is Lord of all. He's in control of everything. He is creator. But God allowed His Son to be placed in a position to be exposed to the powers of darkness. If God were selfish, if He were unloving, He could have kept His Son from all this. He could have kept him in heaven by his side. But love makes you vulnerable. God saw me and you today and knew that we would need a Savior. He wanted to give us the opportunity to have relationship with him and in a whole new way through the Holy Spirit. It's the Christmas season. We've got our Christmas decorations up. We're making our preparation for the holidays. And it's the time of year that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And God's whole plan for salvation can really teach us about love and vulnerability. 
God sent his son into this world to be born of the virgin Mary. And you have to remember, Mary's just a normal girl. And when the angel said, you're going to give birth to the son of God, she was greatly afraid. I'm sure she's thinking, listen, hey, you, you sure you got the right girl? This is Mary. It's just, it's just me, Mary. You got the right Mary? Okay. And God said, you're going to give, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will conceive in you a child, and his name will be called Jesus. And you are blessed among women, Mary. And this is wonderful news, but it puts her in a very vulnerable position. She's engaged to Joseph, and she has to tell him that she's going to give birth to a child. And Joseph doesn't know what to think. The Bible says he was a righteous man, and he was just going to put her away quietly. But an angel appeared to him in a dream and told Joseph, it's okay to take Mary as his wife. She's telling the truth. She's going to give birth to the Son of God. And so now Mary and Joseph are both in this vulnerable situation. What are people going to think? How are we going to explain this? Should we even try to explain this? I'm sure it was a very difficult thing. Mary and Joseph were called to Bethlehem for the census. And there was no room for them in the inn. So Jesus was born in one of the most vulnerable places you can imagine. In a manger, in a, in a stable. Maybe outside in the cold. Maybe in the damp air. You know, when our babies are born, they're, they're placed under that, that heat lamp thing and they spin them around, get them all roasty toasty and they, they, they give them a soft hat and wrap them up in the soft blanket and they hand them into mama's arms and they, the nurse is just checking on them every night. Hey, are they doing all right? Okay, just checking. And, and there's all this care and attention for this baby. But Jesus, he just had his little swaddling cloths as Mary's trying to keep him warm. It was just a humble birth. But the birth of Jesus was only the beginning. When Jesus grew up, his entire ministry was about giving love away to the, the blind and the, the hurting, to the sinners, sharing God's truth in love no matter what. Whether it was received or not, he spoke truth because he loved. And this made some people hate him. Some people wanted to arrest Jesus and have him killed. Then at age 33, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is sweating drops of blood just thinking about what's to come. Thinking about the cross. He's crying out to God, asking, Father, is there any way for this cup to pass from me? Is there any other way to bring salvation to the world? But the price of sin is death, and only Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, could pay the price for the sins of all mankind. 
even though Jesus is suffering immensely, just thinking about what's to come, he chooses to love. He chooses to allow love to make him vulnerable in the most profound way. As he is separated from the love of his Father and the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future are put upon him and darkness is allowed to have its way. He is beaten. He's mocked. And he was crucified for us. Philippians 2.5 You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. We need to learn from Jesus how to be humble and vulnerable and obedient. Learn how God uses Jesus' willingness to work His plan. He uses His humility to accomplish something great and mighty as we look at the next verse, verse 9. Therefore, God elevated Him to the place of highest honor and gave Him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, even though Mary and Joseph were in a vulnerable place, God was with them and gave them the grace to walk through it. Even though Jesus was born outside in a manger, exposed. Even though this madman Herod is trying to kill him, God is always looking out for him and he makes a way. Even though Jesus went to this place that was so low and made himself so vulnerable as he hung on the cross, God raised him back to life. He took him from this low place and raised him up to a place of honor. It may look like we are in a vulnerable place sometimes. It may feel like we are vulnerable sometimes, but God's got us. God is fighting for us. And he uses our humility and vulnerability to bring him glory. Listen, we are never really and truly vulnerable because God is always with us. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Things may look bad. Things may be tough. They may be really tough, but Satan does not have power over us. Think about it. What's the worst that can happen? That we die and Jesus calls us home? Because of the gift of the cross, death has no sting. And this life cannot destroy us if we continue to love God and we continue to love our neighbor. If we continue to let the Holy Spirit lead us and teach us how to give our love away freely. Guys, we can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that. We can't even love without the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But the good news is that if you've been born born again, the Spirit of God is already inside of you, as it says in Philippians 1. The love and compassion and humility that Jesus displayed for us is already inside of you. All we have to do is stir that up. And God says, let, and we need to say to God, anoint me, use me through, I want to love so that I can reach the lost. I want to be vulnerable so that I can be used of you. I want to be vulnerable so that people can see your love. Amen. And spread the gospel to all that I see. Everybody I see. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Band, you can come on up. I want to close this morning with reminding ourselves to not let our love fade. One of the fruits of the Spirit, along with love, is long-suffering. As Christians, we're going to suffer. Even if you love with just the most violent love, you're going to suffer. You're going to be hated. You're going to be rejected. Jesus, who loved more than any of us, are capable of loving, was persecuted and rejected and crucified. Love no matter what happens. Love no matter what the circumstance. Don't let discouragement lessen your love. Don't take those moments that you consider to be failures Like when Paul reached out to the Corinthians and they rejected his love. Don't take those moments and think of them as failures and allow that discouragement to lessen your love, but give your love away in all times, in all seasons, no matter what. Never lose hope or faith in the power of God's love. The Bible tells us that love never fails. And finally, again, don't let fear of becoming vulnerable 
keep you from loving. Let's end on 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. How many of you... Yes, Lord, give us a spirit of love, Lord. How many of you would say that I need to love more? I need to become more vulnerable. I need to repent of allowing fear to get in the way of love. Let's pray this morning. God, we come before you this morning. And we thank you for your love and your mercy that you've shown to us. Lord, help us to love with your love. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to love. Lord, we can't even love without you. We don't know how to love without you. Anoint us to show your love and to spread the gospel, Lord. And we repent this morning of fear. Fear of man. Fear of becoming vulnerable. And we pray that you would give us boldness. Give us security, Lord, to go and share your love freely. Give us a childlike love, Lord that we share with all those around us. Don't let us withdraw to ourselves. Help us not to build a wall, Lord, but to give our love away, to allow people to come into our life, to show our feelings, Lord, to share our faults with others, Lord. To ask for prayer, God. Be vulnerable enough. Help us to be vulnerable enough to do that, Father. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. We've been preaching about going after the one. And maybe there's one person in here today that says, I need Jesus. I need the love of God in my life. I want to experience your love, Lord. I see this sin in my life that is causing a separation between us. And I repent of it, Lord. And, and I want you to come in and be my father. Teach me love. And teach me the way in which I need to walk. I don't want us to bow our... I'm not going to call you forward this morning, but I don't want us to bow our head, close our eyes. I just want to put you to put up your hand this morning. If you say, that's me, I need Jesus. Put up your hand right now. If you say, that's me, I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. It's hard for me to see, but Lord, thank you for all the hands this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. Lord, make me vulnerable. 
I, I give all of my trust to you to lead me and to guide me. I lay down my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for all he's done this morning. God, you're so good. God, you're so wonderful. And as we enter into this Christmas season, let's all just not get caught up in, in, in you know, the hustle and the bustle and the, the buying the gifts and all those other things. Let's make sure that above all, we're thanking God for his son, Jesus, and we're meditating on his love. Amen. Let's go out this morning and let's show our love to the world. Show our love on purpose. Amen. And be a light to this world. We love y'all and we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>